Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, everyone. Shep Hyken here on Amazing Business Radio on the CBS Play It Network. And I am excited today because we have Craig Smith, who is an amazing person. You're going to find out in just a moment because you're going to want to do what this guy does in your business, which is create amazing experiences for your customers, for your guests, for your members, for your patients, whatever you call your your clients, for whatever you call the people that you do business with. Let me tell you a little bit about Craig. He is the president and managing director of the Asia-Pacific area for Marriott International and is responsible for all of the leadership and the operations and development and the functions spanning 18 countries and 11 brands that Marriott represents, such as the Ritz-Carlton and, of course, Marriott, JW Marriott, and any of the other brands that you may know that are associated with them. He has a great background. I can't go into it because it would basically take most of the show. He's lived in 13 countries, traveled all over the world. But this is what intrigued me most. He has a formula for success, and I call it a formula. This is my word, and that is it's a quality product plus not just client but also associate satisfaction in the hotel business that's guest and the associates or the employees of the hotel. So it's really three things. It's a great product mixed with a, a great client or guest experience mixed with a great associate experience. So I'm excited to have Craig on the show. Craig, welcome to Amazing Business Radio. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, I'm glad you're here. And so I've got some questions. I've been reading up on you. And and as we talk about the hotel business, I want everybody here listening to realize that I have the strong philosophy of what is called the hospitality mentality. As a matter of fact, many of the people, when they come to work for me and I'm interviewing them, the people who have worked in a hotel or a restaurant typically have a leg up on everyone else because they understand what it's like to work with people. And uh, it, and that's what business is. It's people doing business with people. So, I mean, how do you feel about that, Craig? I think it's true. You know, it, 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 it's something that in some ways it's natural, but it also it becomes ingrained in you after years of working in it. I was in uh, Boston for eight weeks for a class and I didn't realize I was doing it. I just was talking to everybody, and I kept thanking all the servers that were helping us and the folks that cleaned the blackboards. And afterwards, somebody came by and said, geez, you know, we, you talk to everybody and you thank everyone. And it was just something that's natural. You don't even think about it after a while. Yeah, and... and but you realize that things work much better if you take care of each and every person that, that's there working for you, not just the bosses. So how long ago was that that you were taking that class? Oh, this class was about two months ago. Oh, okay. So recent, this, uh, Harvard, recent. Harvard okay. Business School. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, well, recent. so well, that makes sense. You're already in this great position, and you're going back, you know, for education. You're practicing what you've been preaching for years. How long have you been with Marriott? Been with Marriott 27 years. I started off as an assistant housekeeping manager in La Jolla, California. Oh, wow. And and actually, even though you're living over there in Hong Kong currently, you're not too far from La Jolla, California, about 10 miles up the road. I am. I am. We're back visiting family. Oh, great. Great. So uh, here's here's an interesting thing. And the Ritz-Carlton is now part of Marriott. And you know what the Ritz-Carlton's credo is, obviously. Correct. Nine words long. Well, you know, ladies and gentlemen, serving ladies and gentlemen. Right. I, I think that's the... 
I, I think that's the mantra that everybody remembers. Right, and 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 those nine words to me are like the most perfect mantra for any company that's ever developed it. Do you know the history of that? It started with uh, Horst Schulte, I believe. That's right. So Horst was very much, very much into um, making sure that it started kind of like uh, Mr. Marriott. It all, he, they, he understood that the real foundation was was the associates, or in the case of Rich Carlton, we call them ladies and gentlemen, and that if you, if they felt important and they felt well looked after, then everything else became so much easier as they took care of the clients. Right. It's so it's so a perfect mantra, and and that's exactly the words I, I use to describe the word is is mantra for a business. So here's what's interesting. I I've been using that as like my favorite and talking about the Ritz Carlton for years, writing about them in my book. So in the last book that I wrote, uh, Amaze Every Customer Every Time, uh, I had a short piece in there about uh, that mantra, as I, I always include it or something like it to kind of bring people up to speed on what I think is important. And somehow or another, I got connected with Horst Schultz to talk to him about endorsing the book. And I sent him the book and he said, I will endorse it if you change uh, and, and give accuracy to the story that you tell about, you know, we're ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. And this is what's amazing. He didn't come up with that after he started working at the Ritz-Carlton. He came up with that because his parents were in this business, in the hospitality hotel business, and he had to do a term paper when he was in high school. And that was the title of his term paper when he was like 16 or 15 years old. Is that amazing? That is amazing. So, all right. Well, let's flip this back to you. So the success of a hotel is is really contingent, I think, so much on customer service. I think especially at the price points that the Marriott, unless you're looking for the, the lowest price in town, you do care about the service. How does the hospitality industry uh, ensure that the staff, the associates, as you call them, achieve the right level uh, of that service and is motivated. Now, that's a big question with probably a lot of different uh, answers, but go ahead and take a stab at it. I think the first thing that you have to look for and that we that we look for, very, which is very important, is the, the initial interview and who you hire. You know, there are some people that have it and some people that may never have it. And it doesn't make them bad people. They just don't enjoy serving others. I mean, I remember once uh, years ago, almost 20 years ago, or over 20 years ago, being, I was a front office manager. And we had a gal at the front desk that she was the most accurate desk clerk I'd ever had. Her bank was always perfect. Her Everything she did was perfect. She just wasn't really happy and didn't enjoy interacting with people. And we had moved her to the – we moved her to accounting. She went on and had a great, a great career in accounting. She was very good. But some people just – not everybody has it. And so you have to look for it. And you have to almost interview for it, and you have to look for examples of it. And so, you know, one of the first things that we do is we watch – body expression, they're smiling, are they happy to see you, are they gregarious, all these things that you want in the service industry and also for the back of the house. So most people think that it's just about the people that are in the front of the front, what we call the front of the house, the front desk, uh, bellman, these areas, but the back of the house or other, otherwise we call it also the heart of the house. You have associates like housekeepers, dishwashers, you want it all the way through the through the building. And and if it if it permeates all the way through the building, then you have true hospitality out front. And so when I walk in today with general managers around a hotel to do inspections, you can see that if, they, you know, if people are, are saying hello to each other in the back hallways, this is an interesting point. If they say it in the back hallways, they've got a great hospitality spirit out front. And I can, I can tell you any hotel I walk, if I walk the back of the house and I see people saying hello to each other and smiling when they pass or waving, 
the front of the house is going to have great great statistics on guest satisfaction. Well, there's so that's what we look for. Yeah, and there's an old saying that I like to use. Uh, I, I I may have come up with this on my own, but basically, what's happening on the inside of an organization, behind the scenes, is going to be felt on the outside by the customer. You got it. I mean, that, that's exactly that. I remember once. Uh, years ago, we had a general manager who had some. We had some problems. We almost we had a little inkling of union and happiness in the, in the hotel. We flew in to see what was happening, and and we found out he wasn't even saying hello to the. So imagine the the, the general manager isn't saying hello to the associates as he's walking in the back of the house. That you lose that momentum throughout the rest of the organization. And we sat him down and we kind of walked him to the edge of the cliff and said, "Listen, you need to change the way you are if you want to continue in this role. It's a very important hotel for us." And to his his credit, he did. He was a, he was going through a tough divorce and a tough time in his life, and he turned the attitude around, and the hotel's guest satisfaction scores went up overnight. Right. My first question before you told me about the issue that he was having at home was, how did he get this far with this kind of an attitude? But apparently, he must have had it, and he just had a turn in his life. He did. He went through. You know, and and people people have it. People have rough turns in their life, and we're we're a human business, so a lot of time, you know, we we really want to do is we want to give people a chance, and our. our our founder of our company talked about, you know, if you have someone who's not doing well, give them a chance to change. But be honest with them. I heard Jack Welch recently. I was at a uh, last week back in, at Harvard Business School. He came to lecture us, and he talked about how a lot of leaders are cowards. They actually don't tell people what they're, when they're doing something wrong. And we believe in sitting someone down and saying, listen, here's where you're not doing so well. And being honest with them and forthright and giving them a chance to change, and he changed. Now, some people that won't change, then you need to replace them. But we really believe that if you have people that have worked for you for a long time, give them the benefit of the doubt and help them change, and you've got a much stronger associate or manager. Yeah, you know, it, it's <laughs> the manager that refuses to tell somebody uh, that they're not doing a good job, yet then they expect that person to do a good job. I, I think it's almost dishonest. By the way, I love you just subtly drop in Jack Welsh in there. That's pretty cool. And, oh, yeah, I was just at Harvard. I want to be able to say that. Hey, I'm talking to a guy that just came from Harvard. <laughs> yeah, I remember though. I, I didn't. I, I didn't do my MBA there. I did my MBA at, at a different school. But I, I think I we we had great experiences. And I think I'm I'm dropping his name because what he said in that meeting resonated so much with me that you find so many leaders that that aren't honest with associates, and and and, and you're not helping them if you're not. They can't grow unless there's honesty. And so sometimes everybody in the cafeteria is talking about how they're not performing, but no one actually tells them to their face. Wow. And most people will change and will improve. You know, I have a very small business uh, compared to most businesses. Uh, definitely what you're, you're in and definitely GE and Jack Welsh. But one of the things I tell the people that come to work for me is that I am blatantly honest because we can't afford to take the time to play around and hope things get fixed on their own. But And, and here's the thing. So it's very difficult sometimes to be critical of somebody. However, it, it isn't, it's the way you go about it. Um, when I was a kid, uh, we had a dean of our school. I went to a private school, all-boys school, tough school. And when you got sent to the dean's office for something wrong, that guy had a way of doing a good – he taught you a lesson. And I wouldn't even call it a reprimand because I'd never felt like I was beat up mentally by by this gentleman. But I always felt that I got my – I learned my lesson, and then he always sent me out feeling good about myself. And I know that yeah. you know you can sandwich the you know the problem in between two good things, but come on, we all know that. I think it's the personality of the manager who's coming to you and saying, "Hey, let's talk about how we can do this better." Because you do it so. This is this one piece I'd like to make right, and 
you know, maybe you motivate somebody by giving them that extra skill and that extra, extra point. One of the things you just mentioned was, you know, the consistent attitude that somebody has until something happens in their life. I believe that when you come to work, it's not always easy, but you leave the baggage behind. There was an actor that uh, the millennials probably won't know who this, this guy is, but his name was Richard Burton, famous actor. You know who he is. Stage actor, TV, yeah. was, you know, was very famous for his plays. He also was famous for all the problems that he had. And he had a lot of problems, marital problems, alcohol, drugs, all kinds of issues. But when he walked on stage, somehow or another, he was able, for the most part, to put it all behind. And he had a saying that was, I think, powerful for any of us to learn and know about. And that is uh, that he used to say, I want to be so good tonight that I cheat the audience that was here the night before. I think that's pretty cool. Uh, I don't know if he could do it every time, but he tried to do it. And I think it's that kind of effort that some people put forth is they treat their job like it's a command performance, like they're walking on stage. The personal uh, things they have, they have going on at home, they just try to leave them there. Uh, it's not always it's not always doable, but they try. Yeah, and, and, and the right people and, and the, the folks that really you know are built for the hospitality industry, actually, they get energized over making others happy. It's interesting to see. You can see somebody walk in maybe on a mood scale. You know, they walk into the back of the hotel at, at a six, and they go and they help somebody with a problem. They walk, and now all of a sudden they're up at an eight or a nine because they feel better about themselves. There's certain personalities that love to help and love to serve and love to make others happy. And by and the if way, you can find those folks and yeah. take care of them. You, you've got a winner. Yeah, and by the way, they not only do it for their fellow associates, they also do it for the guest or the customer. I've walked into a hotel after having a really rough day of travel, and the person behind that front desk makes me feel like a million dollars after taxes. I'll tell you a funny story. When we come right back, we're going to take a really short break. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio. We're talking with Craig Smith from Marriott, and we're learning all about how you can take some of that hospitality mentality and apply it to virtually any business. So don't go away. We'll be right back. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep Hyken here. We're back on Amazing Business Radio on CBS and Play It, and we're talking with Craig Smith. And I was, just before the break, getting ready to tell the story. This happened. I was supposed to arrive in New York City about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I was going to, and actually I was staying over in New Jersey at the, at, I won't tell you the hotel because it was a computer uh, competitor's hotel. But I was staying at this hotel. And uh, because of delays in Chicago due to bad weather, I did not get in until 2 in the morning. And my evening activity was supposed to be a great dinner in the city, uh, maybe go see a show. We were going to have a great time with the client. Instead, I show up at 2 in the morning, and I walked in, and the gentleman behind the front desk smiled at me, and he welcomed me, and he asked me if I was, he says, are you Mr. Hike? And I said, how did you know? And he smiled. He goes, because you're the last guy in, and I've been holding the best room in the house just for you. And I went, Wow. <laughs> It's like I was, you know, if you see a picture of me, you know, I don't have hair. But on that day, if I'd have had hair, it was all messed up. I was dragging that day. I did not feel good. And what he said to me is, welcome to our hotel. Thanks uh, for staying here. It's the end of your bad day because I'm in charge. I thought, wow, that he took ownership. Yeah. 
think think about it, Shep. I mean, we spend millions and millions of dollars on beautiful products and rooms and lobbies and everything else. And at the end of the day, you, you know, your your biggest memory is how you were treated and how you felt. And those feelings, you know, the, those are really revolve around personal experiences. You know, how was the server? How was the bellman? How was your waiter? You know, was the housekeeper polite? Were there extra little touches they did to make you happy? And all these things are, are important in a great hospitality experience. And, and 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 I guess for the folks out there that have businesses, I would say one thing that's that's vitally important. You, it's in my bio that talks about. I love to measure, because a lot of times you know we we you know we get anecdotes throughout the day, especially as higher you go up the organization. But measurement really helps you figure out how you're really doing. Because as a boss, you know, if I walk the hotel as a boss and people know I'm the president in Asia, everyone smiles at me because I'm the president. But you really want to know how they're treating the clients, and that's why we measure guest satisfaction. We're big on social media. Marriott has really gone deep into social media and to see what the clients are writing about us and what we can do better. Uh, we measure you know, the awards we win on associate satisfaction because it's important. We, going back to what we talked about earlier, we measure every year how many awards do we win, how is our employee uh, associate engagement doing, because associate engagement is one of the key drivers of, of guest satisfaction. And so all these things become important to us, and we, we measure them constantly because we want to know how we're really doing versus how we think we're doing. And again, as, as, as you kind of move up the food chain, you, you get farther and farther from the client. And, you know, I was taught when I was young, you know, get out and talk to the clients. And today, the best way to talk to clients really is to go, go read the social media comments online that people are saying about your hotel and your staff. Right, interact really as well, you know, you know, you yeah. start to have conversations. I think that's great. You know, I want to talk about measurement. I want to talk about an associate engagement, the type of things you do. But uh, there's something that I noticed in some of the notes I had prior uh, to talking to you that you dedicate, um, I guess there's, you, you value the associates so well that you uh, feel professional development is really important. And I know you just got finished telling us that, You've just spent time at Harvard uh, going through a course. How how much of that do you do for your associates? We do a lot. We we do a lot for it because we we see them as our biggest investment. Most hotels we don't own. We have we manage them for someone else. And so what we really, if you could say, I wouldn't say own wouldn't be the proper word, but we really our assets are the people that work for us, and we would rather give them a career than a job. And we would rather grow. And so, you know, in Asia, probably 64 to 70 percent, 65 to 70 percent of our our promotions are actually internal promotions. So we'd rather even promote somebody within than look outside, because what greater motivator is it for somebody to work hard than than them to know, hey, I can get promoted? And we've seen people rise up from you know housekeepers, from dishwashers, all the way up to the organization. It's, it's fun to see these. People stand up and say, listen, I've been with Marriott 25, 35 years, and here's where I started. It, it, it's exciting, and, it, and it's motivating not just for them, but for everyone around them, because they think, hey, I can, I can grow also. And sometimes and I, can, I can grow yeah. my career. And sometimes it's not just the growth. Um, I just stayed uh, for five nights. I just came back two days ago at the Marriott Marquis in New York City, and I was talking to some of the associates there, and it, on their badges, it, it has the year that they started. I can't remember exactly what it said on two people that I met, but it was there like from the beginning, and it, it just indicated, yeah, I was here when the hotel opened. I believe it might have been back in the late 80s. Um, I'm not exactly sure when it was, but if you think about it, they've been there 25-plus years. And I said, wow, what makes you stay there? And, and the response was, I love this job. 
I love who I work for. Yeah. I love, you know, and I thought, wow, that's a pretty cool thing. That doesn't happen very often. I would love if an employee would stay with me for 25 years. Um, I, I, I don't know if they will because I don't know if I'll be around in 25 years. <laughs> <laughs> it would well, be great. I hope we both are. <laughs> yeah. So, so do you invest in their development? Do you you send them? You you give them a career? We, do you send them to school uh, to take courses? What do you do to help that? We have a ton of internal courses, and so we we offer classes for all levels, from from associates to supervisors to managers to general managers to even above, um, because we want we want to develop them. You know, we want them to to you know continue to see their not you know see their dreams through. Uh, and one of the things that's really important for us nowadays, and and it's, you know, kind of was beginning it was a challenge, and now we're we're really getting into the groove of it. Is how do you teach and motivate and develop the millennials? So this Generation X and Generation Y, which learn differently. And so today, most of our class, more, much many more of our classes are online. They're interactive. They're they're set up as a millennial would want to read or would run, want to do versus how a baby boomer like you and I would want to learn and, and, and grow. And so and what are the big a, differences big, just there? Because I'd love to... Well, they're, they're much more tech-savvy, and so they love taking classes online. They like, you know, having the classes split up. Our generation, we'd, we'd go, we'd send us, you know, we'd send everyone away for three days. We'd sit in the classroom, and someone would come in and teach us. This generation loves to do it online. They like to be interactive. And, and their communication is two-way, where ours was kind of one-way. We would sit and listen. They want to. They want more participatory type of development, and so they want to ask questions. And I'll give you a great example. You know, in the, the last region I was in, I was president for Latin America and the Caribbean. And you know, in the old days, mentoring was really about you know one on one. Someone sits in your office and you talk to them about their career. And today, mentoring is different. It's you know, we I post articles or uh, blogs on LinkedIn, and most of them are written for millennials. They're kind of advice to, you know, here's what I think you should think about. Here's what you think about strategy. Here's what you should think about your career. And so they they interact much more on things like LinkedIn or Twitter. We did these Twitter chats with them where we would get all the supervisors in the region. And we did an hour, this interactive where I would send out questions and tell them what I thought for career development for them. And we'd walk through the values of the company. But what's interesting is they didn't just read these. They would respond and write to each other. And so we, in one of the cases, we had a, a Twitter chat for with, uh, I think it was almost 1,000 people on the phone for an hour, and we had 922 tweets. And that's the way, and, and they loved it. And I would never see a baby boomer you know, learn, learning or being developed that way. Wow. You know, it's more of a one-way communication. Well, I am a baby and boomer, so great, and, and just yeah. prior to getting on this interview with you, I did a one-hour tweet chat. <laughs> <laughs> so I go. know I'm the exception <laughs> to the rule. So it, that's that's how they learn. That's how they learn. But give me, if you can, what you think the personality differences are between the generations. Um, our generation, our our generation probably was a little more loyal for long, for longevity for a company. And so you know, for us, building the loyalty with this generation is different. We you know we're. We're much more interactive with them. And I go back to the word interactive interactive in communications. They want to be much more part of career discussions than we were. In our case, we might sit in front of human resources or your boss and talk about it. In their case, they want to actually sit down and help develop the plan. They want to develop the programs. Um, we have them much more involved in, in, in actually the development of, of the actual training modules that we do. Um, and their generation spends so much more time on social media. So social media becomes the, the mode of communication for them. 
much more than our generation. So if I had sent a memo, you know, in the old days I would send a memo out and that would get to all the boomers and they'd read it and they'd pass it down each level of management in the company. In today's generation, you've got to do something on LinkedIn or Twitter. In the case of China, we use WeChat. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we've got to communicate to them in their way. And they, you know, they want everything online or virtual. They don't want to fill out pieces of paper on a clipboard anymore. Right. I remember uh, somebody sent my son, uh, who's now 25, a message, uh, an email message, and he was very frustrated that he didn't get a response back. And I said, he doesn't use email. He he uses text message. Uh, I know he has an email account, but that's not the way his generation communicates. And it was a big lesson for that guy. But, I mean, we have to do that. We have to constantly think about uh, the different personalities. And, And when you're referring to your generation, you're a boomer? I'm a boomer. You're a boomer. I'm the end of the boomers. I'm, I'm an end of the boomer, too, almost uh, going into Gen X, but uh, not quite. Got a couple of years. But the uh, somebody who worked for me once said to me, I don't just want you to need me. I want to feel needed, which I think is a big difference, uh, and that's something that's expected. Uh, needed, being they want to feel needed, that's different. I think showing appreciation to somebody doesn't necessarily mean that they have that needed feeling. And that's what the millennials, uh, many of them are expecting today. You can't generalize, I think, a millennial type of generation because they do have so many different, um, you know, they, they love the interaction. They love the variety. It's so different. So it's impossible to do. Hey, we're going to take a real short break. We've been talking with Craig Smith, not just about the hotel business, which uh, he's involved at the Marriott at the highest level, president of uh, the international group over in Asia. That's huge. He's been with them 27 years, has a wealth of experience, having started out working in the housekeeping department, working his way up to where he is today. That's pretty amazing. But when we come back, we're going to spend more time on hospitality and how you create that wow factor and exceed expectations. And I bet I know the answer to how that happens. It starts inside the house. We'll be right back. This is Amazing Business Radio. Don't go away. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Jeff Hyken here. We're back on Amazing Business Radio. We're talking with Craig Smith, who is the president of Marriott International, the Asian uh, Pacific area. Craig, we're having a great time. We're going to talk about hospitality and how to wow the customer. What do you think? Uh, It's important, but Shep, let's go back to the point that we had talked about earlier about it all starting in the back of the house and, and with the associates and how they feel about themselves. You know, 27 years ago, I was a, I was, a, I wasn't even the housekeeping manager. Actually, the assistant housekeeping manager was my first job. And, and what does that mean? Ambitious. That means you're, you're the third guy in a totem pole in a large housekeeping department that had about 100 associates in it. Oh wow! So and are I, you actually cleaning rooms? Sure and... that, no, but I also I inspected them, and, and it, there were some great lessons there. But I, I probably, you know, I've, I've, I've given quite a few speeches to young. Uh, kids in, in university, and I, I usually tell them I learned more about leadership in that first couple of years working in housekeeping than I actually did anywhere else because you're you're leading people that know their job better than you do, and your job is to motivate them and, and inspire them to do better. Um, you know, my first when I first came into that housekeeping department, we were right in the middle of a sit-down, my first day to work. It was interesting. I walked in, the housekeeper was sitting down. They were unhappy. 
And right there, I learned, you know, you know, these these gals were cleaning 18 rooms a day. Um, it's it's hard to walk in every day and, and clean 18 rooms a day and be happy about it. And I learned some of the the most important uh, principles in the way that we turned that department around was really about making sure that they were happy and taking care of them. And so we used to, I remember on Saturdays, I'd go up and help them strip the beds. It was a tough checkout day. Uh, on Sundays, I would uh, roll a room service tray around each one of them with the brownies and sodas on it. And then they would come out of the room and they would, you know, drink a soda and eat a brownie, give me a good chance to talk to them and ask them about their family. I used to show up to their kids' baptisms, weddings, all the things that were important to them. And not, not, not to brown those them, but because I really cared about them. I figured out early that if I took care of them, they would take care of the guest. And it was interesting, our guest satisfaction score shot up overnight. I'll tell you an interesting point. The guy that was above me, that he was a housekeeping manager when I was a house assistant. The first week at work, I went over in the cafeteria and I sat with the housekeepers. And he sat over with all the managers in kind of the manager corner. And he pulled me aside afterwards and he says, listen, if you want to get anywhere in your career, <laughs> but this is interesting, he said, you really need to sit with the managers. And I said, well, these are the folks that do the work and make us look good. I really want to get to know them. He says, yeah, you're not really not going to go anywhere in your career. And he kind of walked away. Six months later, the score, my scores went up. I was the manager of the quarter, and uh, he was over sitting with the housekeepers. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm still you. Do you ever sit with the housekeepers now? I still do. We still, we, when we walk hotels, a lot of times we will ask the general manager have um, lunch in the cafeteria. You'll sit down with them. Sometimes it makes them a little nervous. But after you start chatting with them and telling them, you know, you came from the same place they did and, and how important they are, people usually settle down. Um, wow, that's, they're, a, they're, that's they're, a great they're story. Really in, you know, people talk about, you know, taking care of the associate. But you, if you really believe in it, you've got it. You've got it solved. Because then they'll go out and, and they're happy, they feel good about themselves, and they'll go out and take care of those guests and the guest satisfaction scores. We've seen such a direct correlation in our hotels when we see a, a drop in guest satisfaction scores. I mean, so or associate satisfaction scores, guest satisfaction scores usually follow, and vice versa. Well, back to that uh, saying that I like to always say uh, what happens on the inside is felt on the outside. Exactly. All right, so I think this ties into the concept of that wow factor uh, and exceeding the expectations of the customer, the client, the guest. Uh, and I'm going to bet uh, your concept is the most important thing to creating this. It's going to start on the inside. Is that right? It does. It starts on the inside, and you also want to recognize it, and, and and you want people to feel good about it. You know, you want to. I send out a ton of. Um, congratulations and thank you cards. When you hear, you know, you see, you read through these these social media comments, and I'll write a, you know, write a front desk clerk a note, and it kind of kind of freaks them out to get a note from the president. But it's a big deal for us. And you know, one note from them that they post on the, you know, the back wall, and they're, you know, over their desk, and uh, all of a sudden everybody around them becomes more conscious about how important it is. And, and so recognition is really important. I mean, so much about leadership and, and management really matches, you know, parenting. I've got five kids, and if they know that you love them, you know they'll they'll work even harder for you. And so, you know, no one uses the word love in management. Maybe it's just a they think it's a bad word, but it's a great word. I think if it's a great know word that you too. Love and care about. If they, if they know that you love and care about them, they'll work so much harder. And, Tim you know, Sanders. That also uh, means you need to go to bat for them. Yeah. yeah. Do you know who Tim Sanders is by chance? He's an author. No. Wrote a great book. It's a business book, and it's. It's titled, Love is the Killer App. 
And it's just too many, too many people are afraid to use the L word and, you know, say, and as I write emails to, to, and I mean, that's typically the way people correspond today, you know, in business, it's emails going back and forth and the occasional, you know, letter, but, you know, I don't mind saying, Hey, I loved working with you. I would love the opportunity. And, and I look at that word and I go, is that an overzealous word? But at the end of the day, Hey, it's my personality showing through. I'm a very optimistic guy. I don't know if you can tell that or not. I uh, like to have fun. And, uh, I love, I love the concepts that you're talking about. Um, as a matter of fact, when I get finished with this interview, I'm going to go out to my staff and we're going to have a group hug. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. People want to be appreciated. I mean, you know, we have, we have our general manager meeting, um, and Mr., the ones that Mr. Murray used to attend. One of the things I was always fascinated by is when he closed his thing, and he, he, he really meant it. He said, we love and we appreciate you. And I thought, you know, how many leaders use that word love? But he really loved the people that worked for him, and it was important that they were happy. Because he knew that was the key to his success. Wow. And it's an exceptional personality for somebody at that level to say to somebody, hey, we love you and we appreciate what you're doing. Yeah, so much uh, of it starts on the inside. And I don't believe that you can be, you, you have to be totally congruent. You can't take an employee in the back and say, hey, you're doing a lousy job and mentally beat them up and then expect them to go out and be nice. Uh, there, There is a way to nurture someone, no. the way to get them into alignment. By the way, if they're not getting it, they're not getting it, and you move them to a position that's better suited for them. You know, you mentioned earlier in our interview, uh, you had a, a front desk person that was always flawless with the books and the bank and the money was always perfect, but the personality wasn't there. You can either help them and train them if they're capable, or maybe they're better uh, back in the finance department or in the accounting department, if that's their thing. Uh, I believe you got to match people up. But if you're treating somebody rough in the back room and saying, hey, now get out there and be nice. I saw this t-shirt once. It said, the beatings won't stop until your morale gets better. And it's it's kind of the same thing, you know. You're you're incongruent. You can't say, "Hey, go out there and be great," and then whip somebody on the way out. It just doesn't work. Yeah, but you know, you, yeah, but you know, what's interesting is that in in real life, people talk one thing, and you as you start asking people, how many compliments did you give versus how many times did you tell someone they needed to correct something? And then when you, the people really stop and think about, it, you're like, yeah, you should be complimenting three times. As, some people are scared. They think if they compliment people that they'll slow down, they won't work as hard. But the truth of the matter is we work for we work for people and we work for organizations because we feel good about them. I'll tell you another great story. I had about a year and a half ago, I was at a big meeting for us. It was actually a meeting to celebrate our best associates we brought in from all across the world. It's a big deal for Mr. Marriott. He gets a speech at the very end and a dinner for him. And I had some, some chest pains. And I had been, you know, I hadn't been feeling well, and I went out in the hallway, and I had some really ch- bad chest pains, and so I went up to my room and to lay down. And somebody had told somebody I wouldn't, I didn't feel good. So the general manager of the hotel showed up to ask me if he, if I should, if he could take me to the hospital. Imagine this, the GM of the hotel. And I said, no, I just need to lay down. I'm okay. Then the someone called again, and it was somebody else from the staff saying, listen, we'd really love to take you to the hospital. And I said, no, you know, I'm really okay. Now I'm embarrassed. So then I get a knock on my door another 20 minutes later, and now I'm a little angry because I'm thinking, you know, I just need to relax and my heart will be okay. And guess who's standing at the door? Bill Marriott. Mr. Marriott. Oh my gosh. Bill Marriott. So here, here you are. Uh, you know, I'm just one of the, you know, one of the cogs in the machine. And he cared enough about it to come to my room and say, Craig, I'll personally drive you to the hospital. 
And I said to him, you know, so I was embarrassed. And I said, you know, Mr. Morant, I said, if you go back down to the banquet, because there's some people that flow in from all over the world, you know, that, that to sit with you and, and to feel good about themselves, I promise I'll go to the hospital. And so I went off to the hospital with somebody from security. But I'll tell you, you know, somebody came to me six months later and offered me a job with a lot more money. And I still remember that. How many companies would, would you know, would the chairman come up to your room to check on you because he personally cared about you? He bought loyalty, and that loyalty creates an environment where you work harder and you want to serve the client better. Wow. Well, that is a great story. We're just about out of time, and there's one other area I wanted to go with, and maybe we can wrap it up in about a minute or so, and that is sure. that you train your people to offer what you refer to as anticipatory customer service, proactive customer service, if you will. I love the concept of being proactive when it comes to uh, delivering a great opportunity that the customer sometimes doesn't even know they were going to ask about, but they will eventually need, or ideally being proactive and cutting off uh, a situation that could turn into what I call a moment of misery. A couple of comments about that. Yeah, it starts with, with associates feeling empowered. I mean, no one's really going to, to step out of bounds unless they feel like that they'll be complimented for it. And so you want to have this environment where, where, where people, a bellman, a desk clerk, a housekeeper, feel like it's within their power to go the extra mile to make somebody happy, whether it's they jump in the hotel vehicle and drive to the airport to deliver something that somebody forgot in their room that, you know, without checking with the general manager. You want that environment. And so you've, you've got to build it, you've got to nurture it, and then when it happens, you've got to celebrate it. Wow. That, and I think that's the way you create the culture. Uh, the first part of any culture is that it has to be defined, clearly articulated, and then you, you communicate it, you train to it, and the way you empower people is through that training. Because if you teach them to do it right, and then when they do do it right, you let them know they did it right, uh, they feel great about it, and they'll keep doing what feels good. And uh, celebrating it also, I, 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 so many times, that's where companies fall short. And by the way, the celebration doesn't have to be much. It could be something simple. It could be that pat on the back. It could be a, a nice note. It could be a pizza party. You don't have to have an elaborate event to celebrate a team win. So love it. Hey, great ideas, Craig. Thanks so much. Uh, we love having you. This is why we call this Amazing Business Radio. You've offered a tremendous amount of insights into how a large corporation who, by the way, is one of the top, if you look at the rankings of all the different organizations from the American Customer Satisfaction uh, scores that are out there, uh, the all these different rankings, Marriott is consistently one of the top organizations when it comes to delivering a great customer experience. And I think, like you said, it all starts with the people on the inside. Thanks so much for coming by, Craig. Really appreciate you. Ladies and gentlemen, Thanks for listening. My name's Shep Hyken. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.